The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to another Pip Panther Rants and other Sports Rants podcast. It's been a while, and this is probably, you know, one of the most awkward things I could have done as far as entry music. I mean, it has been a while since I've podcasted. Yeah, it's been probably since March, I think. Yeah, because I think the last... I think the last time I podcasted was March Madness, and it was right before the Final Four. I mean, I haven't really felt like... I haven't felt like actually going back and scanning that, and I'm sure when I upload this, I'll say, hey. But I do remember it was right before the Final Four, and I think I was wrong on a lot of accounts, but of course, are you staying that's been a while? You know, this song, let's see, what this song hit big, I remember, in 2001, I remember, and it was right before the summer was hitting. I remember, yeah, I went to X-Fest that year, and there was a big turnout for this group, I remember, Stained, because I remember I went to X-Fest in 2000, yeah, I went to X-Fest in 2000, and they... You know, they played then and there, too, and I I do remember the headliners were, uh, well, Everclear was one of them, but actually the main headliner, I believe, was Stone Temple Pilots. I think Stain was on the, on the main stage, I remember, and then, like, you know, I believe, the, I believe there was a smaller stage, and that was, like, freaking, like, Eve Six and Diamond Hack and whoever else, you know. Yeah, that was right. Um, Dynamite Hack, I remember, was supposed to be like the next type of Weezer group. And I don't know, they just, they had that one song and they just never, you know, it was basically an NWA cover and they just never really hit it off after that, at least as far as I know. I mean, I'm sure the X is probably still playing that same old song again, you know. Well, I moved to Houston. I thought the rock stations would be different, but then I, but then you learn that they're all part of the same network, whether it's whether it's iHeartRadio or whatnot, Clear Channel, and you realize that they're basically the same stations. They're just different. They're just different, uh, you know, c- cities. So they play the same repetitive shit over and over again. Let me take a, let me take a little, look, look at the lyrics here. 
It's been a while since I could hold up my hold up my head up high. It's been a while since I saw you. I can stand on my two feet again. Okay, maybe this wasn't you know probably the right song to use for you know my sabbatical from podcasting. Um. So what happened in the last six months? Well, nothing really. I mean, I was on some really big projects at my job and. Quite frankly, I just didn't feel like pod. You know, I didn't really feel like recording. I mean, you know, I get probably, you know, ad revenue. You know, there's not much money to be made, so it's you know this, you know, so quite obviously, it's not going to pay much. But you know, that's what happens. I mean, that's you know, if you go into this, you got to have some sort of uh, business approach, and I really didn't have one. I just did it out of hobby, really, and. Not to mention, I'm in, my, I'm, in, I'm in my mid-40s now. I'm even 44, so, you know, eventually, you know, I'm, I should probably grow up and stop doing something like this, but, oh, well. But, yeah, well, this song is, like, you know, 20, 20-something years old now, and I know, like, after the, you know, 2003, he released an album, and it, and it was all happy, and, she, oh, well, at least the song was happy. But, uh... People felt it wasn't as good because he was happier now. It's amazing how, you know, it's amazing how that works where we, you know, you know, we just love trauma more than anything else. Trauma than happiness. It's, you know, it's amazing how that's, you know, how that sells. But as far as the Final Four went, I mean, it was in Houston I did. I just did. Just learn that the BCS National Championship is in Houston this year, and I'm really thinking about going. You know, it depends on how much tickets are for not an arm, arm and a leg. I was going to go to the Final Four, you know, since it was here in Houston, and I kept watching the ticket prices, and it was hilarious how every week they just kept going down and down and down. Like they were, they were. I think they were like 180 a ticket at one point. But when it be, but when the final four was set and I mean the ticket prices really went down, and then when the final two get you know yeah you know the, the final four was Miami, UConn, Florida Atlantic, and San Diego State, and pretty much it was already set for UConn to win. I mean they just had to get by Miami. I mean, ticket prices for Final Four, I mean, they were they really went down, but they were still a little bit up, but not too bad. I mean, they were affordable. But when the f- championship game was San Diego and UConn, God, there were so many seats for like 20 bucks, $18. I was going to go, but I, but I do remember when I bought Final Four tickets for um, when they came, when it was in Houston 2011. And I remember... I spent part of my tax return on the, on Final Four and, and and national championship tickets. It was it was both of them, and I was so excited. I mean, the whole thrill of just being at the Final Four is exciting. But that championship, but that championship game with UConn and Butler, it was such a dud that. I mean, the experience was great just being there, watching one shining moment and everything, but 
When I saw that the final game was going to be UConn and San Diego State, I came to the realization I wasn't going to waste probably, let's see, 20 for the ticket, you know, maybe a little bit over 20 because StubHub will do the, you know, the fees and shit. Maybe 20 or $30 for the ticket. I'm paying 20 for parking. That's $50. I'm sure I'm going to eat, so maybe another 30 So I thought to myself, why should I wait? Why should I waste my evening and my money on a really shitty NCAA final game? Because it wasn't going to be good. You know, it was going to be a, re- a really shitty game, in which it was. I mean, I mean, it was so. I mean, for me, I did. I mean, I I didn't even watch one shining moment. I only I don't even think I, I even watched any of the game either. I had really no interest in that game. I think maybe a four. I mean, I think a four Atlantic doesn't screw up, and maybe you know converts some of their free throws and guards rebounds. Maybe for Atlantic UConn's a, a much better game, but you know, it just didn't happen. So, what else has been going on? Well, we had conference expansion, and of course, we still have conference expansion. Um, yeah, we have that going on, and. USC and UCLA are moving to the Big Ten. You know, that happened. They left the Pac-12 or Pac-whatever it is now. And then we had more uh, expansion. I mean, the entire Pac-12 just fell apart in the last month and a half. I mean, we... Colorado heads back to the Big 12. And... Then, of course, they're joined by Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. And then... It looked like... um, Well... You had also... Washington and uh, Oregon moved to the Big Ten, and they're doing it at reduced shares. I mean... It was quite obvious the Pac-12 wasn't used to being rated. Or its members, because... For starters, they lost their two biggest brands. And, you know, USC was a big brand, but UCLA... I mean, they were a basketball brand, but football, they haven't really done dick in a, a long time. And with no TV contract in hand... It was quite obvious that those teams in that conference were going to start listening to other um, conferences. The Big Twelve, obviously, you know your mark. You know, I give I give him some credit. I mean, he whatever he did. I mean, he was in there with the sure thing of keeping that conference alive, and you know, Big Twelve was one of the big winners of that of this conference expansion. I mean, they they added. I mean. They added P5 programs at her conference. They grabbed Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Whereas now if you're the ACC, you, you know, <laughs> there's talk of them adding South Florida, you know, Tulane and stuff like that. I mean, this is like, this is like big, this is like the big East all over again. 
you know, as far as adding, adding, adding teams. And the ACC said that they ran all these business models. I mean, they, they even talked about adding um, USC and UCLA, and it didn't supposedly didn't benefit them from a, a, you know, a, you know, a, you know, a revenue standpoint. I mean, you, you, know, you can't add the California market to your thing. And I guess they tried to add Washington, Oregon last year. There was there was talk of them, and Washington, Oregon weren't interested. I don't think they would be, considering that um, USC and UCLA were going to the Big Ten. I think if you're Washington and Oregon, it's Big Ten or bust at that point. And I think, and I think that's really what happened with Washington and Oregon. You know. They weren't ever going to probably agree to a um, television deal at all with with the pack, whatever they are now. I don't think that was ever in their um, agenda. I think they were. I think once USC and USA left for the Big Ten, it was Big Ten or bust. They were they they were looking to get out. And the weird part is, they could just stay in. Their, I mean, for what for what money they were making, they could just stay in their conference and made the same, almost the same thing if if it'll work out. But whatever, you know. And of course, all the other teams got freaked out because you know the. You know. And they just they all left. I mean, it's. Now the pack, now the pack, whatever. I mean, they're 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 going they're lucky they're they're gonna get twenty million for their contract if they stay together. It may be less than that. I mean, it's, I mean, the ACC is still trying to add Stanford and California, as I record this. I don't think it's gonna happen. Notre Dame was pushing to get Stanford added. Personally, if I'm Notre Dame, why? Why keep you know? Why don't you just take your programs and stuff and move them to the pack, whatever? If you're really, I mean, if you really care about Stanford that much and you're so worried about them not dropping to Division One AA or whatever, go associate yourself with the pack, you know, whatever, and rebuild and rebuild from there. I mean, help them build their conference back. And that's probably what the issue is with this whole voting thing. They don't. These teams don't want them in there because, one, it, from a traveling standpoint, it sucks, especially for Olympic sports. And then, you know, and, of course, you got Notre Dame, you know, who's not really a full member. They have a vote. I mean, although that was known for years, they've had a vote, you know. I'm sure, you know, Florida State and Clemson don't want somebody who's not a full member, you know, adding their two cents on how to do their conference. Although the Florida State thing is hilarious as hell because they can't go anywhere at this at this moment. They're trying to find some sort of money. I mean, I'll say this, if they can find them if they can find the money, they'll they'll, they'll get out of the ACC, but they haven't they couldn't find it yet. So probably next year They'll keep doing this. Maybe then they'll get out. I'm not sure where they'll go. Probably Big Ten. I really don't see them going at SEC unless, you know, there's a the, the majority. Because I thought maybe Texas A&M would, would oppose Texas, but 
I think Texas A&M pretty much was, you know, you know, they they were going to have to allow this because it's Texas. But, I mean, if we go back to the ACC raids, you know, when they raided the Big East, and when conference expansion heated up after A&M and Missouri went to the SEC, it was quite obvious that teams were talking to conferences. And they probably still are now. I mean, I mean, programs like Washington State and Oregon State, they can't say they were, they were even the, you know, the whoever runs the pack, whatever, they can't say they were blindsided by all this. It was quite obvious those teams were looking to get out at that point. You know, they had to do what they needed to do to find stable, stable areas, stable conferences to go to. I mean, when the ACC started expanding, you know, you know around when the big, you know, when the SEC did and whatever else. You know, a bunch of Big East teams were talking to, to you know, were making phone calls. And, you know, Pitt and Syracuse ended up leaving. West Virginia went to the Big 12. Louisville ended up in the ACC as well. I mean, yeah, I mean they were all making phone calls. They knew what was, but they knew what was happening, what was coming down, coming down the pipe. And they, I mean, and the Pac-12 just didn't see it coming. I mean, it was quite obvious after you, you know, you, you lose two of your biggest brands, and pe- people are looking to go because then the money isn't as good, the TV money won't be as good, and yeah, so. And I guess if some teams aren't going to make the playoffs, you, you got to get paid in some way. You know, everything's going up. I mean, NIL is pretty prominent now, and we'll get into that here in a minute because, you know, because there's some pl- there's plenty of things to talk about in terms of that. Now, Petner Doozy has made some waves because he feels that there's some, there needs to be some sort of cap on the NIL. And everybody's taking that as Pat is being anti-player, which is kind of weird, but whatever. Pat's stance isn't so much anti-player. It's more that it's going to get out of control, for starters. And you you wonder if College football becomes like Major League Baseball. So he's looking, I mean, he's looking out for the overall, he's looking at the overall picture of this, but of course you have the mouth breathers and the people who get angry all the time at things. You know, they get angry when it rains outside and whatever. And, you know, and it's not like Pat Narduzzi throwing his hands up and saying, oh, you know, we can't compete. We can't do anything. I mean, if you listen to his podcast with Adam Brenneman, the guys, the guy knows NIL is here and they're doing everything they can to move with the times and to stay competitive and to keep their players happy. I mean, he, he says part of his job is to fundraise and whatnot. And of course, you know, it was funny because every time I retweeted anything, but that Pat was introducing his quoting I was getting a handful of Penn State guys saying, well, I, you know, if there was a cap on Pat's salary, I'm sure he would be upset 
you know, Pitney's to blame, attendance, and blah, blah, blah. Pitt's attendance just is what it is. It's been, I mean, Pitt's attendance is, I mean, I've been a Pitt fan for almost, you know, you know, I, I can tell you back in like the early 2000s, Pitt's attendance was an issue, getting people to the games. And, you know, one season in particular where we had big crowds was the 2003 season. That team finished 8-5. and five. I mean, we had... We had Larry Fitzgerald, Rod Rutherford. We were returning, and we were returning, you know, some really good players from that nine and four team in in two thousand two. And you know, Fitzgerald was a Heisman, you know, candidate, and they were ready to rock and roll. But unfortunately, we lost some big games, and that was that. And on top of that, the Big East got raided, so Pitt lost. You know, the, the, you know, they lost two big program. You know, two of the big programs at the time were Miami, Virginia Tech. Tech was overrated, but they always got were good for a top ten ranking. You know, for early in the season, Miami. I mean, they just won a national championship, and they should have won a second one at that time. And that was the thing about the ACC is they. They were looking to grab more teams at that time. I think, you know, Miami Virginia Tech were, you know, well, actually, Virginia Tech wasn't even on the list to be grabbed. Uh, the politicians in Virginia got involved in that one. But Miami was their big, they wanted Miami. Because I, th- I think they felt the time with the BCS, if they get Miami, they maybe, maybe they get maybe, you know, more than one BCS slot. Because Florida State, you know, they, they, they were somewhat prominent still. I mean, they won a national title in 1999. You know, plus, you know, but uh, unfortunately, Miami's program bottomed out. I mean, the Coker era flamed out pretty bad, and that was that. But getting back to, uh, you know, Pitt and Pat Narduzzi, I mean, Pat knows what he needs to do. I mean, he's he's just looking out for the overall picture of college football. But in the meantime, he's still going to work with the NIL and make his players happy. I mean, but there was some interesting tidbits from that. I mean, one in particular was the Jordan Addison thing. He, I mean, he basically said when the season was over, he said Jordan Addison was happy at Pitt. But then he said, like, months later, all of a sudden, Jordan Addison wasn't happy. So he felt like, you know, people were in his ear and recruiting him out of that, out of pit. And that was the problem he had was, you know, the tampering. They're, you know, people are basically, you know, you have players and people are, you know, they might not be in the transfer, transfer portal yet, but they're recruiting them into the portal. But, you know, he, you know. He said it seemed like it took like several months, you know, for that whole thing to transpire. Where he all, all of a sudden he wasn't happy. Now speaking of Pitt and NIL, Alliance Four One Two came out with a new uh, type of thing for their membership. It looks really good. I mean, 
I mean, you're, you're looking at uh, I mean, the student plan, you're, it's, it's 10 bucks monthly, you get a $20 voucher to the store, monthly drawing for meet and greet, and of course you got the 1976 Society, which is $19.76 a month, you're getting a voucher, exclusive behind the scenes, invite to the, you know, the Lions 412 tailgate prior to the pit home game, and of course you got the 412 club, 30 hour voucher, access to exclusive behind the scenes. Tailgating annual drawing for sign memorabilia. You know, and you got that. And of course you got the Royal, which is 100 monthly, which is even a lot more. And you got gold, which is well the Royal is 100 bucks a month. Gold two fifty a month, and you got Alliance Premium five hundred dollars a month. And each one of these well, each one of these has more benefits to it. You can't go wrong in there. I mean, you can't say that stuff isn't being done to help it stay competitive in this market. I mean, this is pretty much one of the better plans they've ever come up with. So people say, "Oh, what are they doing?" Well, this—I mean, they're—they're coming up with ideas. I mean, they're—I mean, this is a really good one. I mean, because you don't want to throw you know darts at the board and just hope something hits a bullseye or a, you know whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, go to alliance412.com/slash/membership. Check it out. I mean, if you haven't already, I mean, it's you know, if you want to say you're doing your part, I mean, this is a good way to do it. And we'll finish off this podcast now with. Pit football recruiting, because you know, I I tell you that you know, June's always a big month for Pitt. What was it? Yeah, June. That's when Monty Claus comes in and blesses us with commits. But looking at the uh, the you know the commits here, how many did they have in June? Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. They had nine guys in June that, com- that committed. And on top of that, they added, um, let's see, one, two, three. They had three more guys in the, you know, in July and August. Pitt has, um, let's see, 22 guys committed so far. For the 2024 class. Her overall rank is 34, which is pretty much typical for Pitt. Can't go wrong there. But, I mean, if we're looking at the breakdown by state, Pitt's got seven PA kids, four Florida, three Ohio, two New Jersey. That sounds like the old Dave Wanstat, um theory. You know, not theory, but um, method of recruiting. It was always... He'll, one, he always hit those states. Towards the end, it was mostly New Jersey. But Pitt also got a guy from Georgia. They got a guy from Maryland, Massachusetts, Tennessee, Virginia. So they're always going to hit the southern states. They even got a guy from Nebraska. They got a player from Nebraska, too, which probably he's an athlete, which means he probably ends up. My guess, he probably ends up. Let's see, special teams. Who's the. Sp- okay, Eric. 
I guess he's going to be a long snapper. I don't know by the build six seven two thirty five. I would think he'd be a tight end. In fact, let's Google him real quick because, you know, I haven't really kept up too much this this you know with, with work. So he's an athlete. Okay, a tight end. He's going to be a tight end. I figured by the six seven, you know, stance that he was going to be a tight end. But as I look over the uh, commits. Pitt's got a lot of guys with, you know, with, um, with the offer sheets are pretty good. Uh, they have, they recruit, they got a quarterback and he's an, you know, he's obviously the uh, local kid. In fact, where is he? Yep. Julian Duggar. He's a, um, a Southpaw left-handed quarterback. I mean, we had, I mean, Pitt's had some good history of left-handed quarterbacks. I mean, They've had, you know, Tyler Palco and Rod Rutherford, two left-handed quarterbacks. I'd say history in both in both Western PA kids, whereas Julian Duggar's from Penn Hills. So they they've had good success with that. So I'm happy with that. Pitt did land two really good running backs. So the backfield looks pretty good. Uh, they, I mean, offensive defensive line. I mean, they've they've landed five O O line guys and six D lines. So, you know, the last scrimmage is always going to be a big thing. Then, of course, two linebacker, four defensive back. Pitts are always going to load up on defense, and they did just that. I mean, they overall you can't complain. I mean, Penner Doozy has even said he recruits the best. You know, that's going to fit their system. You know, best 85 players. But uh, overall, I mean, I'm not, I mean, normally I break down this class, but well, the PA kids, who they land from PA? Cameron Lindsay, linebacker from Aliquippa. Jay Sher Whittington from Philly. He's a defensive lineman. Jules Goff, as I said before. York PA, Julian Duggar, quarterback, Penn Hills, Adam Abora, interior offensive lineman, Exton PA, Ty Uhas, Central Catholic, Pittsburgh PA, and Giovanni Cooley, offensive tackle, Cathedral Prep. So those are the PA kids, pretty much. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get too too deep in this list. I mean, a lot of these guys are three stars. Pretty much all of them are, at least according to Panther, you know, 247 Sports. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, 30, being, being a 34 overall rank is pretty much typical. 22 hard commits. They did lose some commitments as well, but that's the thing when you land kids early. This early in the process, you're going to eventually lose some. It's just, it's part of life. It happens. Anyways, that's all I got for today, guys. Hell to pit. We will chat again as I will talk about what I, you know, I thought my thoughts are on the pit season coming up, and of course the ACC as well. I'll I'll look at.